Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 25 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Today I have an interview with Sunday Joe Graham, who is an author and a blogger and also the founder of a ministry called Esther's House of Redemption, which is a faith-based residential discipleship program in uh, Missouri, and it's a program that is all about offering hope to uh, broken women. Um, they serve women from all backgrounds and people, women who are struggling with life controlling issues like alcohol, drug addictions, depression, self harm, um, or dealing with the aftermath of abuse. Um, so it's, uh, this is a shorter interview than maybe I've done before. And, uh, we focus a lot around, uh, what it means to face brokenness, um, why things like counseling are important, uh, also why forgiveness is so important and how forgiveness really works. Uh, and then toward the end, we talk a little bit about Sunday Joe's uh, routines as well. And she has some really great wisdom on that too, um, just around what she does to stay spiritually healthy uh, or to keep on the right track with God. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, but I want to give a uh, a bit of an update before we get into the interview. This week, I uh, preach a sermon at Prairie Church here in Winnipeg uh, about the binding of Isaac, or some people know it as the sacrifice of Isaac, although Isaac wasn't actually sacrificed. Um, and this is a really tricky story from the Bible, and it brought up a whole thing, about, for me anyway, about, well, what do we do with difficult texts in Scripture? And uh, that kind of ended up being a bit of the focus of the sermon. And I started with a question uh, where I said to people, you know, what if I asked you to believe in a God who... Uh, might sometimes ask people to sacrifice a child. And because that's what happens in the story, right? Uh, God, you know, tells Abraham, I want you to go and uh, offer your son Isaac as an offering. Um, and to, uh, and so off they go. And so I started with that question. And, and then we explored that because I think sometimes what we do is we kind of make excuses for tricky texts. So we try to kind of get our way out of them. Christians like doing that. And I think people who are, who are maybe on the fringes or not Christian, maybe just they hear those stories and they just think, well, that's ridiculous. Why would I believe in God? Um, a God that has these kinds of horrible stories. And, uh, so, so we kind of worked with that text. Uh, and, and I don't think there are super easy answers to what do we do with these texts? Um, 
But I, I think it's a mistake to just, I mean, I think the easy move is to say, well, you know, it does say right in the story that God was testing Abraham. And I think the easy move is to say, well, it's just a test that like God was never going to go through with it. And so yesterday, uh, I'm recording this on Monday, yesterday on Sunday, uh, I was, uh, I said to the congregation, well, does that actually make it okay for us? Like, is it really okay for us that, that, you know, well, God's not actually going to do it. So it's okay that he tells Abraham to go and kill his own son. Like, how is it okay that, that God does that uh, and puts that man and that boy through that ordeal in the name of a test? How is that okay? So, um, but what we ended up doing with, with this story, and you can go and find the, the sermon, um, because we put them on Facebook live and they stay there recorded on the Prairie Facebook page. Um, but what we ended up doing, uh, with that story is to say, well, maybe this story actually isn't within this story trying to teach us about morality or theology, at least in the sense that we would normally think. Um, and then I invited people to start to think through what is the what are the narrative implications of the story. So we talked about narr- the narrative tension that builds in the story. And then we also talked about narrative archetypes and how this story might be an archetype for something that is to come and that how God writes these stories that go over a long period of time and uh, and then... Uh, and that the same thing is true in our lives, that God is writing stories in our lives and life is not always easy and we don't always have easy answers. Um, but our call is still the same, that same call that Abraham had that that was to trust in God, even when your life seems in tension with God's promises. So what ends up happening in the Abraham story is God promises him numerous descendants and a land and everything's going to be wonderful. And Isaac, his son, is the, the location of that promise. He's the, he, he would have been seen as the fulfillment of that promise of how it's going to take place. And then, and then this story puts, creates this great tension between the reality that Abraham is going through. Um, and his life is very up and down and meandering and, um, and doesn't always seem on track with what God has promised. So, so his life is in tension with the promises of God. So I, I think, you know, I look at my own life, I look at our world today where there's so many crazy things going on and, uh, where racism seems rampant and white supremacists and, um, and terrorism and violence. And it kind of looks like, well, this is where, where are God's promises of peace and, and, and and love that is supposed to reign, it seems in tension with our lives and with our world. Uh, and what do we do with that? And the reality is, is that right in scripture, we have this tension of the reality of human life, uh, which is in tension with the promises that God makes to God's people. Uh, and, and what does Abraham do in the midst of that? He trusts, and I think he is in anguish in the midst, in the midst of of that trusting in God uh, while trying to walk that walk. So anyway, I can't really repeat my whole sermon. So maybe I've sparked your interest enough that you might want to go listen to that. Um, But uh, we'll we'll move on to get to the interview. But before we do, uh, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to people who are supporting this podcast on Patreon. 
Uh, Patreon is a third-party donation platform where you can uh, give a financial contribution to help support the podcast, which will help pay for the podcast hosting, because it does cost a little bit of money to uh, pay for the web space for the podcast, uh, and also will help me save up towards some better equipment so I don't have to keep using borrowed equipment. Uh, So I really appreciate that if you're able to give a donation and support on a per-episode basis. Uh, You just go to patreon.com slash matthewbruff, and it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, and then my name, Matthew, the normal spelling. Bruff is spelled B-R-O-U-G-H. Or you can just head to the show notes. Um, Just go to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com, and on any of the recent episodes anyway, you will find uh, a link there at the bottom of the show notes that uh, says something like support this podcast. And you just click on it and it goes right to the page. Uh, I also want to say a big thank you to uh, received another review, which is great. Uh, if you're able to review this podcast, that also makes a huge difference to help people find it, particularly if you are listening in the U.S. I have more reviews on the Canadian iTunes store uh, than I do on the U.S. one, but More Canadian reviews are great too, and that was what happened uh, recently. Um, Ash Bocho, which is actually a friend of mine named Ashley, um, used to be part of my congregation. I'm so excited, Ashley, that you left this review, and I'm just going to read it for our other listeners. So if you do leave a review, and uh, you might get it read out on the podcast. Uh, Ashley writes, this journey is all about growth from discovery. And this is what Matthew Bruff focuses on, on in his podcast, Spirituality for Normal People. It's an honest and down to earth discussion on how to live in the present moment every day as we navigate obstacles life brings our way. There's a variety of interviews delivering interesting and provoking thoughts, staying with the listener long after the podcast is over. I highly recommend listening. Ah, uh, thanks, Ashley. I just love that uh, review, and it means a lot to me uh, that you uh, left it on iTunes for me. So hopefully others will follow suit as well and leave a review, um, because I do read them, and it's really uh, it's really wonderful and to know that people are listening and enjoying the podcast and finding it helpful for their spiritual lives. Um, So if it is helping you, uh, follow Ashley's lead. Go leave a review. All right. I think that's lots for the intro today. Here is the interview with Sunday Joe Graham. Today, my guest is Sunday Joe Graham, and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, Sunday Joe. It's great to have you on. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, So Sunday Joe, you are... Uh, well, you're doing a bunch of things, but um, you're you're a writer, so you have there's a, you have a book out, and you've got uh, some great writing on your website as well. Um, but you also do some like videos on your website, and um, but where I was kind of most interested in is you're the founder of something called Esther's House, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would love to hear more about that maybe first, and kind of what what that's all about, and maybe just a bit of your story of what led you to founding that and starting that ministry? Sure. I'd love to share. So Esther's House is a residential discipleship program for women um, struggling with a lot of different things, life-controlling issues, depression, addiction, the aftermath of physical and sexual abuse, self-harm, things like that. 
And so uh, it's a it's a year long residential program. So the women come in and they live there for a year. Um, and our, our biggest thing is is helping them get to the why behind the what. And I, I tell people a lot, we teach women who they are in Christ. And that sounds um, simple, but it's not easy. And we teach that in a lot of different ways. But I've always said, when you know who you are in Christ, your decisions reflect that. When you don't know who you are, are in Christ, your decisions reflect that too. And so if we can bring these women in and love on them and show them grace and teach them about what God says about them, that is what changes people's lives. God's word is what changes people's lives. And so we do that through a lot of different things. They're very structured environment through Bible studies, through uh, one-on-one mentoring, through um, group sessions, through building relationships out in the community. Uh, each woman um, we have, we have in the program what's called heart work. And that's where uh, each week we do a one-on-one mentoring session with the girls. And so that's where we kind of individualize the program and say, okay, what goals do you want to work on this week? What do we need to work on? Maybe we need to work on your communication, or maybe we need to learn how to, to respond versus react. So let's figure that out. We, and we pair them up with, um, you know, specific books maybe that they can relate to and just specific what we call heart work instead of homework um, mm-hmm. so that they can continue to make, continue to make progress in that. And um, super rewarding, super hard, super crazy, super awesome. And um, I actually... Uh, you asked me to tell you about how we got started, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I talk a lot and then I forget what I'm talking about. No, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> so I, in 2009, I lived in Branson, Missouri, and I actually went into a similar discipleship program. I got an intervention from three of my friends and one of my pastors, and I just was not, I was not in a good place in life. I was depressed. I, I just wanted to die. And I remember that morning, I, I specifically told my friend Jennifer, I'm so tired, I just want to die. And she took that very seriously. And so uh, three of my friends showed up at my doorstep and one of my pastors, and they basically said, hey, you know, we love you too much to watch you stay where you are. We want to get you some help. And I wasn't really happy about it and uh, argued about it. Didn't even pack my own suitcase. And two hours later, we drove we drove to this, this discipleship program where I spent the next year just allowing God to heal the broken places in my heart. I had a, a history of sexual abuse, struggled with um struggled with abandonment from family, just didn't feel love. I didn't know my worth, didn't know who I was in Christ. And I didn't know how to love. I didn't know that it was possible for God to truly love me. And so, man, he just, he just got to a lot of roots of things, dug them up, helped me get to the why behind the what and heal those, those areas in my life. And I graduated from that program. And then I stayed on and did an internship and just had the privilege of mentoring the other girls that came through there. And then they asked me to serve on the board of directors. And so I did that. And then unfortunately, in 2012, that ministry closed down for a number of reasons. And I just I was just devastated because that's where God had changed my life. And so to see the doors of that place closed, just it just broke my heart. And in the process of that, God called me to continue the ministry of, of offering hope to broken women. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. doesn't make sense. I don't have a degree in counseling. I don't know what I'm doing. You're going to go need to pick somebody else. You're wrong. Yeah, you're God, but I'm pretty sure you're wrong. <laughs> and I just said, no, I'm, a, I'm absolutely, I'm not doing it. And people kept bringing it to me. You know, several people would say, Hey, you know, and they would kind of confirm. And I'm like, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to, you know, like I can't hear you. And, uh, I went on this mission trip actually thousands of miles away over in Moldovia. And I had this, I remember having this vision of, of these, these women sitting around in the living room and I was sitting around with them and they were laughing and they were crying. And I thought, 
oh God, what are you trying to tell me? And I didn't say anything about it. Three days later, I'm back from the mission trip. Three days later, I get an email from a, from a friend that said, hey, I had this dream. It's pretty much the exact same vision that I'd had a gajillion miles away. And I thought, man, I need to listen to this. And so I kind of decided I'm going to stop being a disobedient and I'm, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And in the process of that, a friend of mine who had went through that program after I did uh, committed suicide. Mm. And I just remember being so devastated and um, realizing at that moment I had to stop being disobedient to God's calling. And I had to go pursue this ministry because there were broken women that needed help just the same way that I had gotten help. And so that's kind of how Esther's house was born. Um, out of a really scary um, final decision to be to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, even though it didn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And like, uh, and then I, I'm guessing, kind of from that decision to Esther's house actually starting, has probably been a pretty long road. Five years. Yeah. yeah. Five years from the inception of the dream to the opening of our doors, about five years. Yeah, and it's and it's just opened fairly recently. Is that right? Yeah, we uh, last November we started what was it called our Freedom Outreach Day program because we were still waiting for a more physical location. Mm-hmm. So we thought, you know, what can we do in the meantime to, to offer some help to women? And so we opened our day program, and then our residential program actually opened up in May. Okay, that's really cool. That is, that's so great that that you've been able to do that and um, and respond to what God was doing through you eventually respond to what God was, was wanting to see happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of wanted to ask too, just about, um, well, this, this podcast is called spirituality for normal people. And then in brackets, Mm -hmm. not that, not that anyone's normal. Um, Uh, um, and, and that's like part of the thing is just, I, I would want people to to get that like you have a pretty painful story and you're dealing with and helping people who are struggling with real issues and having a like I've just been through been through hell in their life. Um and like I want listeners to realize that like if there's someone out there who's listening who is struggling, like that that like in some ways that actually is normal. It's not it's not what we hope for people, but it happens. And like, everybody is struggling with some kind of difficulty in their life. And I don't know if you have thoughts about that. I don't know if I have a question there, but it's just sort of um, helping people to see that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is we all have junk. We're all screwed up. We're all jacked up. Um, You show me one person in this world who doesn't have junk and I'm going to call them a liar. Um, But it's all about how we deal with that, you know, and the world teaches us, a lot of times that we need to pretend like everything's okay. We just need to get over it. Um, one of the worst things I think people can ever say is you just need to, to forgive and forget. Um, I think that's one of the worst pieces of advice you can give people because yeah, we're called to forgive, but you don't forget. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we have to do what's contrary to what the world teaches us and we have to deal with our junk and that's ugly and it's messy because you got to dig deep. Um, you got to go through a lot of different emotions. You're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. You got to forgive people. Um, you know, you, you got, you, there's, there's so much to do in the healing process. Um, but it's, it's so necessary because if we are going to live the lives that God has called us to live, we've got to let Jesus get into the, to the roots, into the deepest, darkest, broken places of our heart and heal those, or we can never fulfill the destiny that he's called us to fulfill. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just be surviving. What would you say is the alternative to forgive and forget? Like, cause that's kind of a, a like a simple kind of platitude almost kind of thing that people say. Um, but. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, um, I think healing is, I think forgiveness is a big part of healing, but a lot of times we think that we just forgive and we've been healed from that. And that's not mm. the case. You know, we're, we're called to forgive those people who hurt us, but just because you forgive that man who abused you for umpteen years doesn't mean that you've been healed from the things he's done to you. Right. So you have to go back and you have to say, okay, let's walk through this. Let's walk through the pain. Why did I believe the lies he spoke over me that many years? Why did I keep going back to him after all that time? It wasn't because I felt like it. It's because, because I believed his lies and I thought I didn't deserve any better because I don't know who I am in Christ. And so let's get to the root of that and, and say, no, this is who I am. No, that is not what I deserved. This is what Jesus says about me. And I'm okay now. Here's the reality of where I'm at. He can never hurt me again. And it's just, you know, you have, you have to go through those things. You have to process those things because they don't go away. You just stuff them deeper and deeper and deeper. And you can only do that for so long. Yeah. I, I also think that, um, like it, forgiving and then trying to forget is almost trying, is almost undoing the power of forgiveness. Like mm-hmm. when you forgive and remember, and you're still willing to forgive, like that's, that's way more powerful, right? Because you're actually, you're actually acknowledging this is what happened. And I'm actually still going to forgive that person. That's way more powerful than saying, well, I'm just going to try to forget about it and just move on that's not really forgiving in a sense, right? Like that's just sort of pretending that it didn't happen is not really forgiving. It's forgiving. Like even from God's perspective, God looks at us and our brokenness and our sinfulness and says, yeah, like that's a big deal. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm forgiving you. Like that's way more powerful than God saying, well, it doesn't really matter. Let's just move on. And I think our culture says that that doesn't matter. Let's move on. And we think we should be able to do that. And we really can't. Like, I think it's way more powerful to say, yeah, this was terrible for me. I'm remembering that and I'm still forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think, I think too, um, what, if, if you try to hold on to that and you don't deal with your junk, you're going to find coping mechanism after coping mechanism after coping mechanism. And whether that's going into another broken relationship or becoming addicted to meth or becoming an alcoholic or becoming a sex addict or shopping till you drop, like addiction is addiction. But, you know, until you allow God to heal those, you're just going to keep replacing one behavior after another. And I also think when it comes to forgiveness, people tend to think that forgiveness is a one-time thing and that's not how it works. You know, you may have to forgive a thousand times in one week and that's okay because God honors your heart. He knows your heart is there to forgive. And I, I have a perfect example of that. Um, you know, there's somebody that I've forgiven. I saw him the other day and things started coming up in me again. And guess what? I had to forgive them again. It doesn't mean I've never forgiven them, but I had to forgive them again. And, and I think we, we can easily forget that the forgiveness isn't just this one time act and boom, everything is fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're human (laughs) (laughs) and that brokenness continues. It's not like it's like there's healing, but we're still fallen and broken people. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, where, where have you felt God most present and maybe also maybe most absent in your life, in your story? Um, I can think of a perfect time of, of feeling him most absent. 
I mean, looking at it now, I was the one that was absent, but I remember before I went to, to the discipleship program that I went to, I was, I was struggling really bad with nightmares and I had asked God to make them go away and he didn't. And so I thought, God doesn't care. I'm going to do this on my own. So I just basically stopped sleeping and I went, I went way too many days without sleep and I literally lost my mind, but I'll never forget when I was getting in my friend's car to go there, I looked in the back of my car and my Bible was sitting in the back of my car and it had been sitting there for two weeks. I hadn't opened it because I was mad at God because he wasn't making these nightmares go away. Well, look what happened to me. I hit my bottom and um, it wasn't necessarily God who was sent, but it was me refusing to listen to him or talk to him. And so therefore he had to be absent because I wouldn't let him in. Yeah. Um, and as far as, as far as feeling him there, I mean, I think I go through different seasons, but I'm in that season right now. Just, you know, I've, I'm struggling through some health issues and I don't know if you're familiar or not with Graham Cook, but he's an amazing teacher. Um, and he, he said something a couple months ago about, cause I think he has some kind of something wrong with his brain. And he said, you know, God hasn't healed me yet. Um, so there are times I ask him to be my healer, but there are times I ask him to be my keeper because I know I'm not healed and I need his strength to get through the day. And that has just really changed how I talk to God because there are many more days lately that I have to ask God, I need you to be my keeper today because I don't know how I'm going to do this day without you. So I just need you to keep moment by moment. Um, so there's that regarding my health, but then, you know, I'm here. I am a leader of this, this women's ministry that's pouring into the lives of women, like dealing with human lives that I'm like, Oh, we can't screw up these people, you know? And, um, God, I, I can't do this without you. Are you kidding me? Like I'm, I'm clinging to you. I'm clinging to you for, for financial stability. I'm clinging to you for the words to give these women when they're hurting. And so, uh, I feel like I'm in that season right now of just, I can't take a step without him. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's awesome. Um, and then like, how do you get through those times where it is more difficult or where, like, I like what you said about when, when we feel God being absent, um, that's, that's often because we are being absent rather than like that. God isn't absent. Like God is, God is there. Um, but in those times when, when you sort of are not sensing God's presence or when things have gotten really difficult or there's spiritually difficult times. How do you, how do you get out of that? Or if there's a spiritual rut that you're in, um, like I like the reminder of, uh, I like this idea of, of God be my keeper beyond, beyond that. And sort of just remembering that what else can we do to, to make it through those times? I don't know that there's just one thing. I think it's important to have a number of things in your life. Obviously, you know, going to God's word is huge. Um, spending time in prayer is huge. Spending personal time with him is huge, but, but he also created people for us to be in relationships with. And so, you know, I still go to counseling. If there's something I'm struggling with, I won't hesitate to call my counselor and say, Hey, I need a session because if I'm not healthy, I can't expect the girls I lead to be healthy. And if I don't apply the same principles I teach to them, then I'm just wasting my time and theirs. Um, so it's important for me to process things with people. And I mean, I sit on the front porch with with my best friend who one of my best friends who happens to be my next door neighbor, I sit on the porch with her just about every morning and we have coffee and we don't always have to talk about something big and spiritual, but there are days that we do, you know, there are days that we process things together and cry together and talk about how amazing God is, but we fill each other back up. And, um, you know, so she, she pours wisdom into me or she just encourages me. It might just take one word for me to say, you know what, you're right. I can do this today. 
God is with me, you know, thanks for the reminder. And so I think there, there are a number of things, number of things that, that we have to, that we have to do to stay on that path. And, and a lot of times God uses people to, to help us do that. Yeah. I think that's so good. I mean, a lot of times people will immediately jump to, and it's, and it's great. Like we'll jump to talking about the Bible and talking about different prayer practices. A lot of people who come on my podcast talk about that. And I find myself sometimes reminding people about community and community being so important. Um, and, uh, and I know I'm someone like I'm an introvert, so I will, I'm kind of someone who will always lean towards, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, this sort of the, what people normally consider as spiritual practices. And, and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about those in a bit, but I really like your emphasis. You're like almost immediately jumping to people and having like, I see community actually is a spiritual practice, but we just kind of don't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. So I love that you you just went there. If you think about the ministry of Jesus, you know, he had 12 disciples, right? So there were times that he went and took times of solitude where it was just him and his father. There were times where he hung out with the 12 disciples. And then I think it was, it was three of the disciples he was really close with. And then there were, so there were times it was just he and those three, you know? And so he, he found balance. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think like your story and kind of the ministry that you're part of and leading is like the, the, the way it works is you've got people around to provide that support and encouragement and help. Um, and we know that that's needed. And I think there's lots of people that were kind of living a very isolated lives, I think, where unless we have gotten into a really terrible situation, we think we should be fine on our own. Um, and I, I think there's something really wrong about that. <laughs> we're really not fine on our own. <laughs> right. That's just pride. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for, thank you for just naming that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Trying to do it yourself. It's impossible. You'll fail yeah. every time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what about your own like personal spiritual practice? Like, what do you do? Like, obviously like sitting on the porch with your, with your friend, I I think actually is a spiritual practice, but are there other things, um, that you might do as well? And, uh, and feel free to talk about, like, I know you have, uh, on your website, if you go to Sunday Joe's website, people who are listening, um, she has a, a free ebook as well, which is about morning routines. Um, so maybe you want to comment on some of those too. I don't know. Um, well, first of all, I try to spend, I try to start every morning with, with God. I mean, first I started with coffee because, you know, that's just because I need it and he knows I need it. <laughs> but, uh, well, and it's know, tasty. Down, so yeah, sit down and have a cup of coffee and I'm a, I'm a big writer. I'm a big journaler. And so that's a lot of times how I talk with God. Um, it's just, I'll open up my journal and I'll start talking to him. Uh, and I'll ask him questions and I'll wait for him to answer me. Sometimes he doesn't, or sometimes I don't shut up long enough to let him answer me. Um, and I, I think we think too, that every day, if we don't open up our Bible and read one verse of scripture or something, you know, then, well, we didn't spend time with God or we didn't study the Bible. Right. And that becomes legalistic and that becomes religion. And that takes away from the relationship that God wants to have with us. You know, I always carry my Bible with me in case there's something I feel led to look up, but um, I mean, like when I'm going outside in the morning or, or I have a prayer chair that, that I have that I set in, in my bedroom. Um, sometimes it's just talking to God. Sometimes it's reading his word. Sometimes it's just listening for him. Um, but I can always tell the difference, but don't start my day that way. 
I'm, I feel off and I'm a little bit more cranky than I probably should be. And, you know, um, so that's a spiritual practice for me. Um, talking with others is a spiritual practice. Sometimes it's just worshiping, putting music on and just listening. Um, I love worship music. It just gets me fired up. It gets me in, a, in the mood to just worship God. Um, so those are a couple things. And two, I think exercise can be a spiritual practice, you know, because you're taking care of your temple and um, you're, you know, you're sweating, you're having fun, you're relying on God for your strength for that. And so I think those are just, those are just a few of mine. Okay, cool. Um, what kind of, what kind of music do you listen to? Just. I'm sorry, you cut out. Oh, what kind of music do you listen to? Um, well, I, one of my favorite stations on Pandora is uh, Bethel radio. Okay. And I'm a huge Bethel fan. Um, but just really any kind of, any kind of Christian music. But uh, there's a lot of times, especially when I'm journaling, I'll listen to, I think I have a station on Pandora that's called instrumental praise worship, praise music. Mm-hmm. And it's just like some hymnals on the piano or something like that. And that just get that quiet spirit. So I, it kind of takes the noise away, but helps me concentrate at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. And then what about like, what about your, uh, your ebook? Uh, I think I'm just going to read the title here, Becoming God's Best, Six Morning Routines to Change Your Day and Your Life. Um, are some of those basically what you do or are they, do you have other things that are in there that you haven't mentioned? Um, well, I talk about those things. I also talk about you know, having a, a better sleep routine Um, I talk about the power of setting goals because that's huge. The power of, um, you know, make sure you get out of bed in the morning. Stop, stop pushing the snooze button, which I still haven't completely conquered yet. So, um, I I should probably preface that with those are six morning routines that I try to use that I don't always get right. Right. It's, it's, it's an aspirational book. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a lot of the things that I've written as well are the same, right? It's like, yeah. this is what I think is the, is right and, and helpful yeah. and, and I'm, and that I'm learning to do. So, yeah. but it's a reminder as well that we're all on a journey too. Like, um, you know, you're obviously in a way healthier place and have experienced a lot of healing in your own life. Um, but at the same time, there's always going to be things that you're struggling with. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, you're able to still help people, even though you are still struggling yourself, um, from the place that you're in now. Uh, and, and I think that's the same in really any area of life. Like you're never going to have things perfectly figured out. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you wait around until that time, like it's just never going to come. So (laughs) we're always working on our junk. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I know as well, like you, you mentioned that, like you write a ton, like you journal and, mm-hmm. uh, you, you have a, you have some great writing on your website as well. Um, and I think you have a book that you might've written a little while back as well. I don't know if you wanted to mention that at all. Sure. Yeah. I wrote a book a couple of years ago. Um, it's called dear dad. Did you know I was a princess? And basically it's journal entries taken from my year oh, in that okay. disciple. Program. Um, wow. the book our publisher closed down and so I'm in the processing process of rebranding that and republishing that mm, I'm okay. open to progress on that within the next um, month or so um, okay so kind of been interesting well let me know like by the time the episode because I pre-record these so by the time the episode yeah. comes out maybe there'll be something there but let me know for sure 
And yeah. uh, if I need to update links or sure. anything like that, we can we can get uh, those yeah. for people. I'll always have updates on uh, just my website, sundayjoe.com. So, so you'll be able to stay updated on that about it. There you go. Right on. Um, now, if, if there's anybody who's listening, who's had trouble um, in their own life, like particularly if there are women who have struggled through similar things, whether it's abuse or addiction or anything like that, is there anything that you would want to say to them uh, today if they're list- if they were listening? I would say reach out for help. Um, Don't be too afraid to ask for help. Don't think that you are too far gone for Jesus to help you. That's a lie. Um, Don't think that you can't be forgiven for the sins that you've committed, the mistakes that you've made. That's a lie. Um, Don't think that everybody out there is is set out to destroy you. There are safe people out there. You have to find them. Um, And trust and believe that if you ask Jesus to show up, he will show up. That's so great. Can I say thank you for, for doing the interview today? I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah. if you already mentioned your website, but is there anywhere else that people should look for you if they're looking for you online to connect? Sure. Well, my personal website is uh, sundayjo.com, S-U-N-D-I-J-O.com. And I blog on there about faith lived out life applications. Sometimes I blog about uh, health related information and then if you want to learn more about Esther's house, you can do that at ehor.org. You can learn uh, who we are, what we do, kind of what, a, what our program looks like during the day and uh, how you can get involved and things like that. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Sandy Joe. Yes. It was great to talk to you. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There, you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.